And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. In Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast to be fourth in the podcast conference, even though we have a negative point differential. I don't know. I think we do. I feel, are you like, saying, I feel like... Are you saying we have the statistics of a losing podcast? Yeah. I resent, I resent no. that comment. I, no. I mean, the only thing winning about this team is this podcast, especially <laughs> when all three of us are here. It's true. Family, family podcast. I have a very, I just, I just have a, that's my nihilism seeping out. So I know honestly, like Maverick fans are, they're more thrilled hearing us ramble about nonsense than actually talk about this team, which is like infinitely more nonsense what they're doing. Then well, hold than on. What, now, hang on. Let me just before about. we talk about how the sky is falling. Because we're going to. I mean, the sky's okay. been falling. The Cavs are not the same Cavs that they were last year at all. Okay, like just this team is better. So oh, they're really losing good. to the yeah, yeah losing to the Cavaliers who defend. I mean, they defend their asses off. They really play great defense. And you know uh, why that is, Mister Dave Dufour, the pride of the great University of Southern California, future Hall of Famer, Mister Evan Mobley. Oh yeah, yeah. He's that, awesome. I mean. How nice would that guy be? Um, anyway, but but this shouldn't like losing to this Cavaliers team shouldn't be something that causes an existential crisis. It should be the entire process leading up to the loss that really is the problem. And it's not just that loss. You can look at that game and you can say, "Oh man, well Luca made shots, but he didn't really play all that well, um, and everybody else stunk." But that's just how shit has been for. A few seasons now, I don't. I don't just don't know why this Cavs game has been such a a flashpoint for this fan base. It's like, sorry, man, this Mavericks team has played over its head, mo- or at least uh, the results have been over their heads mostly. And uh, when they run into good defenses, they look bad. I, this is, you know, I, this is well, what they folks, are. That's that's Dave Dufour, and we've yeah, also got the realist. <laughs> Actually, the optimist. <laughs> but I, my thing is just, it's not as bad. Like, and the losing to the Cavs is not all that bad, but the way they lo- that they lose these games is bad. Does that make sense? And, and as 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 uh, as you guys see, we've got a uh, we've got a great show lined up today. That's something that I've heard hosts say. They always like to yeah. say at the start of their podcast, they're like, "We've got a great show lined up for y'all," which they always do. Like they're not lying. No, but, there's a lot but of mediocre as a host, ass podcasting. 
I'm just, just I'm just saying no I'm a I've never I don't know how to podcast nobody ever told me how but I hear other people doing that so I'm gonna say that we have a great show lined up and I think I think Dave's rant before I even got to introduce him which is 100 my fault this is uh, I think that's, that's I'm just hot no, this I was, came in hot guys this yeah this wasn't yeah. your fault to go back to Dave's previous career <laughs> yeah this let's was talk a let's, wrestling yeah, we, match yeah, we're, where the brawl yeah, we're talking before the bell it really did and you're you're trying to get control of the match. But Dave is just coming in there, just wailing on people. That's, That's what called. Right I'm coming in like a. Ha- I'm a house on fire. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And you're. you're I, yeah. The reason I'm on fire isn't even that they lost. It's just, guys, take a deep breath. That's a cold open, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess the, this version of that is like, yeah, we're recording Tuesday night. They played Monday. They lost to the Cavs. I agree. The Cavs are. You know, you know what the Cavs are, and not to talk. This is not a Cavs podcast. Uh, this isn't Cavs for Mavs 2011. All the Cavs fans are rooting for the Mavs because LeBron went to Miami, and you know this isn't the the inverse of that. But um, I I agree, the Cavs are real good, and and the one thing I'll say about them is that going that big is is a direct reaction to small ball. Like like Cleveland, Cleveland is not the only team to have done it, but it is very clear that that this reaction to the small ball trend that took over the league over the past five years is already happening. And it's happening with teams that throw out massive lineups and huge big men. And they literally fill up the paint with 21 feet of wingspan dudes who are athletic and mobile and, you know, just can smother a Luka Doncic heliocentric creator in the way that they did Monday night. And that was the most glaring thing when I wrote about the piece, uh, uh, the, the piece published Tuesday morning on The Athletic, uh, theathletic.com, 77 minutes in heaven for a little promo code, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, yeah, that's what I focused on. The, you know, the, the Cleveland sold out on Luka every time he drove, and we've criticized Luka before, and he has deserved some of it, uh, but that wasn't his fault. That was not his fault at all. That was 100% on every time he drove in and made the right pass to an open shooter, they didn't hit shots, and... You know, I, I don't know why they're not hitting shots. I can't explain that. Uh, we've reached a point where I, sh- you know, I, I mentioned this in the piece. The gambler's fallacy is is not that they're going to, you know, if they should be shooting 37%, they're not going to shoot like 40% the rest of the way to autocorrect to 37%. The best we can expect from them is 37% the rest of the way or whatever, whatever they deserve. And at this point, I'm not sure that they aren't one of the worst shooting teams in the league by, you know, just the standards of what they've shown us. And they've shown us all season, and I don't know. I agree, Dave. I don't know why this loss specifically should ring alarm bells or make us think uh, specifically worse things, other than it just being one of those losses that you look at it and it's like, yeah, they, they probably shouldn't have lost that. And it's uh, it's it's another indictment on things we've been seeing all season. Yeah, I would say uh, I'm Mike Pellucci, by the way. Tim didn't introduce me either. D Magazine Sports Editor. You've seen me before. Uh, yeah, I'll would, let you introduce yourself. You you yeah. can do it better than anyone else. Uh, you know, I, that's that's another wrestling gimmick. You know, I'll just be like a, I'll be like Mr. Kennedy. I'll just do my own intros all the time. Finally, Mike Pellucci has come back to seventy-seven <laughs> to minutes, minutes in heaven. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. I mean, I do agree with both of you that reputationally, I think this loss hangs over things more than it should because I don't think people realize that Cleveland is much better. I would say if there is one thing. From yesterday, that is a little disconcerting. It's that that was the worst Kristaps Porzingis has looked since he's come back, and that's a game where if you are running into twenty-one feet of big man and you have a seven foot three big man of your own making max money, you're hoping he has a better performance than what he did. But again, everybody other than Luca played poorly, and this is something that 
as the league shifts more to this style, you have to wonder what this means for Dallas if they can't shoot because there is no counter move, right? If three-pointers are becoming a little less valuable than they have been given these rule changes, but you are still playing this old offense, well, not even playing it, but it's the only thing that we think they can do well when they play of play, you know, that heliocentric drive, kick, shoot, move. But A, your shooters aren't making it. But B, even when they do make it, the shots aren't as valuable as they were over the last several years. And you don't have a consistent plan closer to the rim. That's not promising, to put it mildly. Yeah. And and I thought Porzingis looked good defensively. The the problem was that the Mavericks couldn't keep up with their rotations. And so it was just a flood of people into the lane. And, you know, there's only so much you can do as a rim protector in that situation. Uh, but yeah, on the on offense, it, it's it's a it almost feels like a hail mary at this point that that they can get offense from anybody who isn't just you know that isn't Luca creating out of a pick and roll and you know they got a little bit from Kristaps and it just felt like you know it felt like a godsend even though you know he's not you know Dave start talking because I'm I'm losing train on on that thought and it's one I've expressed a million times so pick it up from me. Well, again. This is sort of like the last pod we did together, Tim, where, uh, you know, you start running out of things to say because they are just trying the same. It's like we're going to try the same thing over and over and over again. And we know what that is. If it's not working, it's crazy. It's at least it's at least not the smartest thing in the world. Um, and, And I will say that while I don't necessarily love what I've seen in the offense and stuff like that. You got to find something that works, and so throwing the kitchen sink. The the comments about getting Luca more touch, uh, more touches in the post area. I think that's fine. Like everyone wants to to hammer kid at every opportunity, but if your shooters aren't hitting the open shots at a certain point, you have to try to figure something out. Right, Luca's yeah. not getting the hitting? basket enough. Well, I don't know. I mean, we, they weren't right. hitting at the beginning of last year either when there this were no is inexplicable. fans. Inexplicable. They yeah. just I don't know, man. It, does Luca put a funny spin on the ball? Do we need another Tim Cato investigative report? I mean, maybe the Slovenian spin and only guys that play on the Slovenian national team can shoot for Luca. I don't know what the deal is, but this happened at the start of last year and they underperformed what where we thought they should be. Same thing's happening here, although they're still collecting wins here and there. Uh so I don't I don't know. It's just it's a make or miss league. And for them, we can't really even judge them because they're missing so many of the shots that they should be making. Mike, is it possible that Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney Smith specifically just overperformed the past couple of years? Uh I, I can't explain Bullock, who is a much more proven shooter. Yeah. But even the largest sample size in the sample sizes in the NBA are kind of small. Players can overperform, as especially shooting, for a season or two. Is that what happening? Is is because you're right. I mean, almost twenty games in, it, it almost feels inexplicable, inexplicable, and it doesn't feel like Rick Carlisle isn't out there like making them shoot better. You know, these are open shots. It's not. Right. You know, it's spacing, it's coaching, it's 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 so many things. But it's not when it's open shots. At some point, it just comes down to why are they not making them. Yeah, I mean, I'm a lot more inclined to wonder anything about Dorian than I am Tim. I think Tim will be fine because the volume of shots that that guy has taken in a variety of situations, right? So many of Dorian Finney-Smith's three-point shots, especially the approved ones, are 
open looks. And I think it speaks to what the league thinks of Dorian Finney-Smith, that he still gets a lot of open shots. They don't respect him. With Tim, he's taken shots in all sorts of situations because the league does, and he has made them in pretty much every type of way he can. Uh, And that goes, you know, last year there was a lot more created offense inside the arc, right? I think he'll figure it out. Uh, I do wonder if part of him figuring it out is changing some of the personnel he's playing with, right? Like, do you stagger minutes more to, I don't know. I mean, do you have him spend even more time with Luca? That was when he initially broke out. That was the thesis that you so eloquently put it in a piece that you had a couple years ago. Like it's the data pretty much proved that playing with Luca helped him. Then last year, he spends more time off the bench. They don't use him as much with Luca. They use him as a creator of offense in the second unit. I don't know if it's staggering the situation with him, but I think he's gonna be fine. Whereas Dorian, I think is who he is. Dorian is a, a role player who is useful, whose reputation as a 3 and D guy isn't really what matches reality because he's neither especially proficient in either. Dorian's a solid player on a useful hand. Uh, I can see where the lapses happen there. With Tim, I just feel like there's too much offensive capability and there's too much track record in variety and in volume to think that it won't get better at some point. And the same comes for Reggie Bullock. I, I just don't believe that Reggie Bullock will be this bad all year. I know we said this this time last year about Josh Richardson, you know, but it's a completely different thing. This man is here to do two things, and he has done those two things quite well. Uh, and those two things don't career, really... Yeah, yeah it, historically, right. Obviously not so far. But historically, yes. And the situa- those are not as situationally dependent as Josh Richardson being a creator and having to initiate offense. I feel like it will be fine with Bullock. I feel like it will be fine with Tim Hardaway. I feel like with Dorian, if it's less fine, you know, I mean, it's... Dorian's a high floor, low ceiling player. Uh, if it's he's a, if he becomes a low floor player, then you have real problems because that's as we've talked many many times about the ceiling and the floor thing. Dorian can only do so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm word vomiting because we talked about this stuff too. I just I've I've seen too much of Hardaway think that it won't get resolved. That's really where I'm the, at with that. And if it doesn't get resolved with Dorian, you can move on fairly easily from that. You need the, Hardaway to get it together with the money they're paying him. The Mavericks have the least shots attempted within five feet of the rim in the entire league. And as much of a problem as that is, they were not great the past two years with this stat either. But I watch Cleveland again, collapse all five players in the paint. And you know, that's not a, that's not a system or a scheming thing that they can do to solve that. It's a personnel and lack of shot making. If you don't make shots, man, yeah, if you don't hit the shots, there's no incentive for the defense. I mean, the defense just doesn't care about the, those guys. Kevin Love right? ignored so, Dorian Finney-Smith on Monday night. Like, yeah, multiple possessions in a row, in a row, straight up ignored him and got punished one time because Dorian made one first half three. And what what are you supposed to do in that situation if you're this team? Is the answer just more maxi? I mean. I, I don't I don't know that there's an answer necessarily on the roster, but if we're just looking at the roster, I mean, is it play Maxi more? He was on pace to play thirty two minutes. He he came out with okay. seven minutes with the rest yeah, of the starters. Yeah. He was you I don't you can't get more than thirty two minutes out of him. You can start him. Yeah. And then and but, then I mean and they've even and they I will. mean Christoph's they will. played I, I a little guarantee bit. You, I guarantee you Maxi probably starts tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Uh if and and if not, you know, it's gonna happen very soon. Might as well try, because what they're doing right now isn't working. You know, it's yeah. the the. It's one thing when people say pull the plug plug on Dwight Powell, and your move is Willie Cauley Stein. That's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, Maxi Kleba could, and you might as well try in the early going. And I think, right, if nothing else, 
you know, there's been Brian Damaris did something for us last week, and I, I, I talked about this before the PCB came out, but essentially, like, you know, they are trying things that they have copped to trying things, almost like what Milwaukee did last year when, you know, Milwaukee went to the postseason before they won the title. Their defensive schemes were not working. So they changed things up last year. They tried the approaches. It lost the regular season games. It worked in the playoffs. It was worth it. At some point, I mean, what's the leash for trying things and trying to figure out this identity and saying, all right, let's throw more stuff out there, get the ball and see what sticks before you start getting really worried? Because how much leeway do you have? Look, the cart is before the horse. This team isn't good enough to experiment. Learn how to win a game under like whatever circumstance you can. This is a kitchen sink team right now. This team should just be trying to win games and win them as as easily as they can. The Bucks were dominant in the regular season. Right. I mean, dominant. Yes. No, that's true. Before that's they true. before they did this. The Utah Jazz are experimenting a little bit more, but the Utah Jazz have been a dominant regular season team. This was the one seed. The Mavs are not that, man. This is just, not a team a, that has the luxury of experimentation. Just to frame this again, this is this is multiple issues, and we're focusing in on one. This is like they have personnel issues, yeah. and we've talked about that sure. at length. We're not talking about this about that really. This podcast, they have coaching issues, and I think we're in a circle there shortly. But we're not talking about that in what we've just been talking about the past ten minutes. We're talking about a performance issue. We're talking about performance issues that we expect more from this team. This team is is has proven time and time again over the past two seasons over the careers of these players, that they should be playing better than they are right now, regardless of the coaching and the personnel, regardless of how good Luka is, you know, if, if he's at his very most dominant versus some level, you know, just a couple steps below that, as, as we've talked about. And that one is just baffling to me. It's befuddled. I don't get it. I don't understand why the performance of this team, if you want to look at, you know, it's, it's the open shots they missed against Cleveland. And they probably lose that game anyway because we talked about how good Cleveland actually is. But, you know, it's not a 30-point blowout in the fourth quarter with the starters getting pulled with seven minutes left if they just hit some open corner threes. Uh, the loss on Saturday against Washington, you know, that's that's a more egregious example of a team that did not perform as well as they should have. And as much as this personnel issue, like, over you know, almost overrides this conversation. It doesn't, it doesn't because they should be better. Like the personnel issue is the through line of the Mavericks over the past three years, but it's not the specific issue that we're talking about because they, you know, like we've, we've talked about that. It's, 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 it's performance. They're not playing as well as they should. Do you hear how frustrated and confused and baffled <laughs> I am right now? Is, like it's, it's dealing with human behavior, right? Like, we can look and we can say, all right, well, Tim Hardaway has done this the last few years, but if Tim Hardaway doesn't perform to the level that we've come to expect, well, then it throws off everything else. Other guys are not going to be as good because he's not as good. He's not as much of a threat. Yeah. Now, you would think that Jalen Brunson being so awesome would help, but it ha it hasn't lifted up so those other guys yet. Porzingis having a few good games in a row, that was great. And then what happened, you know, now what happens when it falls apart and, and he has nine points, you know, what did he score? One, one point in the second half the other night, something yeah. like that. So you know, it, when he's not, when he's not out there, whether physically not out there or uh, mentally not out there, whatever it is that gets him out of the games, uh, whether it's an injury or, or otherwise, 
Um, it's just you only have one guy. Yeah. From the personal perspective, the, the one way I think it affects the Cleveland loss outside of just the team not being talented enough is that when your center rotation is this bad, when you don't have a physically dominant center that can just scrap and move and get points for you in a way that they were not getting, you know, it, it kind of reduces you to being stuck with this, you know, with, with this main option of offensive production that isn't working and you know, it is just down to Luca repeating over and over again these passes to open shooters who are not making them. There's no adjustment to be made to get points elsewhere. And, you know, yeah, Porzingis is probably never going to be effective against players like that, opponents like that. And I want to be able to do my job better. I want to be able to analyze this team and, like, explain it. That 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 is That is so frustrating. It's just like... Like, what are, what are we doing here? Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Do you guys have anything else or do you want to talk just a little bit about coaching and what effects or reasoning we've seen from them this season? Yeah, I mean, I think we can uh, look. We've, we've, uh, I think we've harangued the roster enough, right? Like, I mean, right. there's only so much that we can say. We've talked them into the ground, but I do. I, I think that the coaching change has been evident in the offense, just outside of the three point shooting performance. It's a clunkier system. Um, maybe the look. I don't know. Maybe these guys are having trouble finding rhythm. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but. Um, I will say that in Jason Kidd's defense, this is kind of how it goes for new coaches usually anyway. You, there's a feeling out process. You're trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out which of your principles are going to fit this team. Ultimately, the roster wins out. This was my whole argument about Rick Carlisle going to Indiana and everyone expecting them to all of a sudden you know, be a six seed or a five seed. And it's like, well – Maybe just because some of the other teams are bad, but 
that roster's maxed out. I, again, same here. So when we're looking at what Kid's doing, to a certain degree, he's just at such a disadvantage that it's it's really hard to judge the, the results of it. You know, you have to dig into processes and, and things like that. And there's some stuff. I mean, the post up stuff, like I mentioned, it's not bad. You've got to you've got to kind of zig when the league is zagged, and especially when you're not making shots. And I do think the rule changes could be an opportunity for more scoring in the post. And Mike, before we started recording, you were telling me that that Kristaps is is scoring better than ever in the post. And maybe maybe Jason Kidd has something to do with that. Maybe not. I don't know. But I will say that offering a coach the benefit of the doubt for a little while, and especially, I mean, we haven't heard anything bad coming out of the locker room or anything like that. I do just think maybe we're watching some growing pains of a new coach with with this roster that really isn't even all that great. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's less about the offense, right? Because we talked about the personnel issues. We also talked about the fact that they're pretty openly trying new things. And I agree with you that an emphasis on the mid-range and the inside game now could pay dividends in the long run. For me, it is about the defense because Cade came in preaching defense. That was his big thing. Whenever anybody asked him, what do you learn in L.A.? It was always defense. You know, we're to be a tougher defensive-minded team. But when you watch this team on defense, yeah, there are obvious personnel issues, right? We don't have to, you know, when you have Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, uh, and Tim Hardaway Jr. on the floor at the same time, and then you have Porzingis on there too, of course you're going to give up points. But it isn't even about ability so much as sometimes I just feel like this team is terrible at rotating defensively, for instance. There are so many times in a given game, that Washington game, you saw it a lot. Guys were just not moving where they should be, where they were getting baited on moves they shouldn't. There were gaps. There were, that's that's execution stuff. And these are This is not a dumb team. So what's happening from a schematic standpoint? Is there a disconnect? Because remember – Well, they're right. not connected. That that You said, is there a disconnect? They're not connected well, I mean, from a communication there, Sure. Maybe it's communication versus scheme. I was saying disconnect from the scheme versus them, or maybe it's just on the floor communication and they can't talk amongst themselves in the moment. What I do know is you're dead on that there's an adjustment period with coaches, but the flip side is that this team, which has not changed much personnel-wise a year ago, going into a season, and we talked about this before, and you know this if you listen to this podcast, season starts sooner than anybody intended. Christos Porzingis, nowhere close to healthy. Luka Doncic, nowhere close to in shape. But they at least looked a lot more coherent than what we see now with a full training camp and offseason for everybody to get the same page and get healthy and listen to this new coach. And if there is a benefit to the new coach, it's that, you know, everybody's engaged in a way that it's it's like a marriage. When you when Rick Carlos around for so long on the same team for so long, it's easy to tune something out. Not saying that's what happened, but it's a lot easier to versus this is the new coach. This is the new regime. This is these are the new Mavericks. If you are ever going to be engaged from the jump. That is it. And Kid had their attention to implement principles. And we don't know. We're not in the practices all the time. We don't know if it's on the players or the coaches or something in lost in translation. But when you see them on the floor, like Dave said, they don't look like they're communicating at all defensively. And that, to me, is something that is beyond pure skill set. That is something is happening from either the top down or once these guys are on the floor together, something is getting lost that that has to get fixed. That's not a talent thing. That is just a streamlined basketball IQ communication plan sort of thing. I don't I don't know anything about marriage. Y'all are the experts there. I don't know. I don't know shit about that. <laughs> but it seems like a great analogy. I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, just that KP is healthy and moving. And Tim Hardaway Jr. wasn't 
you know, more tuned in and able to, you know, rotate effectively last season than he's been this season. And he's been poor at it both years, but, you know, coming in with a guy you can actually trust as a defensive anchor, like that's, that's the perspective shift that they had this year or should have had this year. And I agree, you know, it, it hasn't, it hasn't been the case They're, I believe right now their defensive record is worse than it was last year, at least as compared to the league where it ranks in the league, obviously defensive uh, ratings are all better than, uh, than they were last year because offense is down league wide. Yeah, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I, and you know, look, I think if you were thinking about what the best realistic defensive lineup they can put on the floor is, Right now, you probably can't do that because you're, you're talking about Luca's obviously on the floor, Porzingis is on the floor. What of Brunson or Hardaway? I think ideally, and I think it was uh, it was Austin who tweeted this a few weeks ago. I think it was this lineup. Uh, it's definitely the lineup I most want to see. I would love to see them get to a point where they can play Doncic, one of Bronson, Brunson or Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, Maxi, Kristaps. That is still, you know, they can't do that right now because Reggie Bullock is not hitting shots, and that's just. You can't rely on him down the stretch. But if he gets to that point, that at least makes me wonder what can this team do on both ends. But even then, even then, with a good rim protector in Porzingis, a guy in Max who's a weak side shot blocker, and Bullock who's a very good perimeter defender, not an elite one, but a very good one, even then you're still at least one perimeter defender short, and nobody on that nobody in that group can defend a pick and roll ball handler. So what do you do? Even if you, these guys do rotate, you don't have anything you can throw on the floor. You can put Frank out there. Great. No offense. You know, it's a sliding tile puzzle. Every time you cover up one hole, there is something vacant on offense, on defense. And I just, even if kid, the big thing that Carlisle did was more often than not, Carlisle ringed every bit of what he had out of this group. And he trusted that strategically. We don't know if kid or kid can or can't yet because it's too soon. But right now it's clear that just this team is not playing to its potential. And maybe by season's end, we'll know how much of it is on them versus how much is on Jason. But the bottom line is, if they go through another month of this, uh, I don't know what you do. I mean, you sit here and say, we can all sit here and say they got to do something in the deadline. But it's easy to say that. It's another thing to actually do it. But it's it's very unlikely this podcast has any different tone or tenor if Carlo is coach. Do we agree with that? I, I would 100% agree with that because nothing has really changed. Man, the NBA is a player's sport, not a coach's sport. Coaches can change stuff on the margins, and obviously you can like you can have a bad coach completely tank a team. Like a good team will will lose games with a bad coach. I don't know if Jason Kidd is a bad coach for this team yet. It just hasn't been long enough for me to say that or not. Um I I just don't know what any other coach would necessarily do different with these guys, especially when they're not making shots. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. And I think the, we keep I, saying I, they're not making shots, but the truth is, man, like they're the worst three point shooting team in the league. Correct. Uh, I don't think they're worse, but they're like bottom three. And okay. they're that good at open shots. So nobody's hitting All anything right. when they're contested. Yeah, yeah. 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 And again, like this is, this is the six feet away. Like they're, they're much worse on the right. four to six feet range. And that's, yeah. But NBA yeah, they're, they're twenty second. They're twenty second in the league on three point percentage right now. They're hitting thirty three percent. Okay, and th- on wide open, which is the defender six feet away, they're forty one percent, and okay. that's fifth in the league. And so, yeah, it's not like yeah, they're missing open shots. We we see it happen, but it's not just that. It's 
not just that at all. Like Tim Hardaway Jr., where he made his, where he cooked last year was, you know, just going by the way the NBA stat site breaks it down. It was that defender within four to six range, which they define as open. And they're a lot worse in that category. But, you know, those are still open shots. And those are ones that they're not hitting. Can I posit an idea? Yeah. Can I posit an idea that it's literally, I mean, it just occurred to me. What if it, a lot of it is conditioning and these guys are, I mean, they're playing longer, not as many, not as many stoppages. And this team is just not, maybe they're not in the best shape. You could argue Lucas sets a tone there too. <laughs> sure. Yep. Could yeah, argue he's, I could argue he's the symphony orchestra of not being in shape. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. This is this is a depressing talk. Y'all, y'all want to close on one one slightly lighter note about Jason Kidd and in the way he talks about media or talks I, to the media. Yes. Yes. So, I, so y'all, I, was, <laughs> I know, I know y'all don't consume as many post game quotes of his, but I know you've seen some and things like that. He has very clearly taken a very hyper positive approach to post game, pre game practice media sessions, and I thought he gave the funniest quote of the season. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw it, saw it in the article I wrote. Uh, I think I know I think where Mike you're going said. with this, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so so he got asked about Moses Brown. And Moses Brown started on Monday night and clearly was not good. He was not good at all. He is, yeah. is not up for NBA defense at this point. And Kid has barely said a negative thing about the team at all this season. Every once in a while you get like a negative trend he's identifying. He said, I think he said the transition defense stinks in the in the Monday postgame press conference after you know it but he was still even then pretty positive so he gets asked about moses brown and he's like he was plus two he played great he was plus two and then he pauses for a while and he's like it's a it's a positive world we'll take the positives <laughs> well it's a negative which, world take the positive which is great i mean it's a great mindset and, and I'm, I'm legitimately like I, I i legitimately think that you know understanding that's his mindset i was legitimately amused by that quote because it's a like positive that's, world. that's just a masterclass no. PR. Like if that's the way he's chosen to approach these sessions and like it or not, like that's, I, I get it. And, and fake it till to, you make it. And yeah. To be, able it's to, not spin, fake. to be able to find the one thing that you can spin with Moses Brown is like actually impressive. Uh, that's like, good. In, in all Look, seriousness. I, I think that this approach, I mean, if we're just looking at, I mean, the whole thing coming into this year was, uh, was there growth as, as a human being, for Jason Kidd, right, as a basketball coach, as a human being. And the reports coming out of L.A. is that, he, you know, he was a model citizen and all of this stuff. Fine. This is great. I, by all means, be positive. Um, don't be negative. I was talking to someone who knows him, and, and yeah, that was also the theory, is that this is why he's doing that. He's trying to rewrite sure. his, his image as a coach. And whether he should get that chance again, you know, that's a much larger debate. That Yeah, we, I don't necessarily summer, love – I don't love coaches that go straight to criticizing players in the media. So I would much rather see a guy, and this is just generally, I'd much rather see a coach try to say positive things about his players publicly. And then you, you talk to him privately when you, if you want to criticize, I, I, I understand it makes your job more difficult Tim, because right. you do want his honest opinion. Um, but maybe just like us, Jason Kidd realizes, well, I don't really know what's going on here yet either, because it's pretty it's pretty yeah. new. 
well, whatever I issues I have with Kid, it's it's not his hyper positivity. I'm fine with that. Like I think, I yeah. Think, and I think it's amusing. I think I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. He found. Yeah, hey, it's listen, maybe Moses Brown would be a positive if he played more minutes. I don't know. Did you ask Jason Kidd that? Maybe. I mean, plus two Not and if eleven to play minutes. Jared Allen every night. No plus four post up scored Jared Allen, who had a career twenty eight points. Sorry, yeah. Mike. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, listen. The whole rationale for why, if you, if you listen to Mark Cuban's quotes about why they hired him, you know, at one point. Very soon after, it was the first interview he did. It was on some podcast, but he was talking about how he was kind of referencing Steve Nash in Brooklyn about how the X's and O's are out. It's about relationships. Look how people love Nash. And it raised everybody's eyebrows because it's like anybody who was here for both of those guys, that they're very different people. But if this is the new Jason Kidd and he really is this way, and clearly he's made an effort with the whole leadership council thing and all this stuff to engage his players, to be more, you know, uh, accessible with them as people to be more of a positive influence. He should keep being this way with the media. He should keep doing that. That's what he was sold as, as being this positive breath of fresh air. So as far as I'm concerned, I hope he keeps doing it because that at least shows me that he is consistent and you need consistency with any sort of process. If he is doing this now, and this was absolutely one of the raps on him in Milwaukee, once things, when, you know, once shit hit the fan and things started getting bad, then he flew off the handle. Well, if this team keeps sinking and he stays positive, to me, that doesn't show weakness. That shows he's got the discipline to be consistent in who he is and who he wants to be, even through the bad times. And you know what? That is growth. That is entirely – this team was not betting on Jason Kidd circa Milwaukee to turn it around. They were betting on the new improved Jason Kidd. So let's see this more and more all year. By all means, if you want to say this is a positive world because God knows nobody else I know thinks that, more power to you, Jason. You do you, man. <laughs> we all want it to be a positive world. Yeah. And I think po- – like, look. Positive coaching. There's a positive coaching alliance. That like, It is a thing. Positive coaching is good. It has benefits. It works way better than negative coaching. And, and certainly you hope that there is some criticism behind the scenes of his players when they need it in a constructive and hopefully positive manner and not running guys out of the league. That's what we want. That's all I care about. These quotes are fun, though. I like it. Let's, good let's for Moses only- Brown. Let's do an only positive podcast next week. I'm in on that. There's I a like lot that. of positives. Hey, you know, there's one we big will... positive that this team has is that Luka Doncic is 22 years old, uh-huh. and most great players didn't win anything before they were 25. So yeah. relax. We'll talk a lot about 22-year-old Luka, and we'll talk about Boban, and the podcast yeah. will last three minutes. But Jalen need Brunson. more Boban. Yeah, only we positive. We've got Jalen Brunson in the positivity episode. That's true. I've got some Hardaway's on excellent beard. It is a good it is beard. a great beard. It yeah. is a really good beard. It's better than all of our beards. Not Dave. Dave has a oh, good beard. Oh, whoa, whoa. I was gonna say whoa. Dave has a great on. beard. Now, hold Dave on. has a great beard. Um, it's better than my beard. That's mine is robust, mine. but Tim, Tim <laughs> I just got mine trimmed up a little bit, but it's a little patchy. I won't I won't try to pretend yeah, you like get, it's Yeah, you've got some gaps in there. I I've got yeah. lots of volume, but Tim's Tim Hardaway Jr.'s is more like refined and groomed. Dufour has the has the ideal beard among among us on the T- podcast. Tim Hardaway and I have a similar beard. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. That might be the first time anybody's <laughs> ever ever said that about Dave and Tim Hardaway Jr. But well, I, I was just never I was actually you, just looking at because I just trimmed my beard yesterday, so it was like very nicely shaped. I was Did you look and you're like, "That's a Hardaway cut right there." I hope, you, I hope you went to a barber and showed pictures of Tim Hardaway. It's like, Give me that, you know, like people usually do that hey, with haircuts. On. But you're just like, hey, can Guys, I, I can I look like this? I trim my own beard. 
I, I trim my own beard. I mean, you know. Stands yeah. on not too. Yeah. Can you, uh, Dave, can you hit wide open threes? Yes, I can. All right. Well, uh, you have you have two things on Tim now. So. I'm, I'm, but I'm also ah. the same height as uh, Jalen Brunson. So don't don't think I'm going to hang out in the corner. All right. This is a good time to wrap. So let's uh, let's get out of here. Thanks. Thanks, both of you guys for being here. Uh, I thought it was a, a fun, if frustrating episode. What we you, will be- you said right off the top. Got a got a fun one for him. I think you said I, a great I one. Did. This is our a most. Great this one. might be our most unhinged a, episode. This is the most yeah, unhinged that we've done in a while. <laughs> I came in hot, guys. I, look, I was in the pool. I, I did my aquatic wow, workout. Well, I mean, not my pool. I, I joined a, a rehabilitation center. Tim, Tim Hardaway probably has his own pool, so <laughs> he's oh, got yeah. that on you. Sure, and uh, you know, I was I was out there with uh, with this group of uh, uh, ladies that I do this aquatic class with so i was just fired up when i came home to do the pod i I was just ready amazing amazing all right we'll be back next week thanks for listening see y'all then he plays Fortnite just like me i am 34 don't fight the future honey don't fight the future the future is luke a big dick donjic from the home of melania trump how many kids you have don't fight the future carl tart don't fight the future it tears me apart don't fight the future please be nice to luca future four-time mvp As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.